Calvary family, this morning we're going to continue on in Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, if you'd like to turn there. Um, Nehemiah, we've been there for a while. I've really enjoyed it. Hopefully you have too. Uh, it's been powerful, just what God has uh, brought out of it. And uh, man, it's just, it's amazing uh, what truths are hidden even in mundane or seemingly mundane chapters of the Bible. And so I'm excited about how God's leading us as a church. Uh, we, you know, we have, uh, we've had a good summer. Have you had a good summer? You guys, you, well, we've got over there somebody had a good summer. That's good. So uh, have you, are, it's, it always feels weird. We get into August, especially those, you know, for years as a children's pastor, um, in my mind, uh, the, the year starts in September. That's when, that's when the year school gets back in swing and things and stuff. And it's kind of weird because a lot of my friends that I ran into at General Council, they, um, their families didn't come with them because their kids started back to school last week. Like, I mean, like August, like August 4th or something, they started back to school. That's early. Now, uh, it is interesting that we wait until after Labor Day uh, since we are not on an, ag- an agrarian culture anymore. That's, that's why schools always used to start after Labor Day, right? It's because they had to go harvest in the fields, uh, and I don't think a whole lot of kids are still doing that. Um, but you know, it's it, but it is why we start that way. So our schools don't start until after. I think we, I think Calvary Academy starts September sixth. Which, if you haven't considered enrolling your kids, you should, because Calvary Academy is a wonderful school, and I'm excited. We uh, we've done a lot of upgrades. We're doing a lot of upgrades uh, this summer. We've been replacing equipment over on Building C. Every classroom is going to have a. Uh, have a projector in it to uh, allow st- uh, teachers to utilize uh, technology better. Um, we it just, you know, here's, here's the thing I love about Calvary Academy. I'll just brag on them for a minute. Um, our, our academy teachers, um, they do uh, so much just with love. They love teaching here. Uh, they're incredibly frugal. I mean, we're replacing desks and furniture over here, not because any of them have ever complained about a thing, because they wouldn't. I mean, honestly, when they need a new desk or something, uh, we've got these trailers out back. It's like they're going dumpster diving. Uh, they're looking for new things, right? Well, you know, that chair, it looks like maybe it's 15 years old, but hey, it's better than what I got now. And so they're not, and so I love our teachers. I love our teachers because they have such, they have such a conservative mindset uh, because they want to be able to invest in uh, kids. They're not so concerned about themselves in much as much. So uh, actually, September 3rd, uh, we're going to have a, uh, a prayer time uh, for students going back to school and for teachers going back to school. So if you know uh, any teacher, any friends of yours that are teachers, that they don't have a church home, or maybe uh, they just want to come and be prayed for, uh, I would love to have them come and be prayed for. We are, we're inviting the academy teachers to be prayed for that day too, September 3rd, because uh, they start back the 6th. And we'll have a special guest speaker that morning, uh, Fabian. I can't say his last name. Uh, Fabian uh, will be here. And so I, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good day. Uh, and so I'm excited about what God's doing. Summer is always a fun time because people just, I mean, they just, we, we all scatter. And so September hits, we're coming back to church, and uh, we, I'm excited about where we're heading, what God's doing. Uh, we've got a couple exciting things starting in September. We've got a new sermon series. Uh, we'll start on September 17th. We're going to start going through the book of John. The Gospel of John's powerful. We're going to start a new series September 13th on Wednesday nights talking about the life you've always wanted. And uh, then we'll have Royal Rangers and Impact Girls. We'll start back on Wednesday night, September 13 as well. And that same week, we'll have small groups launching off. How many of you know God is doing something wonderful here at Calvary? 
The future is bright. And we can claim the promises of God and trust that he has better things in store for us than we've experienced. And has God been faithful in your life? So think, if he's been faithful already, and you already have good things, and he has better things for us in the future, we should be excited about what God is doing for us. Amen? And so really that, God, please give him a clap of praise. Really, that works very well in what we're talking about today. In Nehemiah chapter 8, here's the question that, that I, I want us to start with today. Nehemiah chapter 8. Who is writing the story? Who is writing the story? A lot of us, I, I don't know if you love to read. I am an avid reader. And uh, I always enjoy the books that, one of the books that we enjoy, that I enjoy the most, are the ones that have intrigue. They've got uh, action. They've got, but it's just, they tell a good story. I've read, I've read so many books that uh, you get about a chapter or two into it and you're like, all right, I'm done. There's no story to it. It's not interesting. But the really good stories, they've got twists. They've got turned. They've got unexpected events. And so you know, oftentimes we feel like we're in the middle of a story. Have you ever felt like that? You're like, okay, th- somebody has got to be filming this uh, because this does not happen to normal people. We get, to, we get into the middle of things and we're like, what is going on? What is happening? And so the big question that I always love to ask is, who is writing the story? Who's writing the story? Because oftentimes when we, when we look at things, we really determine in our minds whether something is positive or negative based upon who's directing it and who's guiding it. My little boy loves to sit in my uh, driver's seat, and uh, I've let him drive the car uh, in, on my lap, uh, not uh, on his own, just in case you're curious. Uh, Deacon Bill let him drive the lawnmower the other day, uh, again, not by himself, and he's wonderful when somebody is guiding him and enjoys it. He wants to go fast and then slam on the brakes and then go fast and then slam on the brakes. Uh, This is why uh, I would not feel comfortable as a passenger with Bennett driving uh, because he's four. Uh, And so there's the question is, in the story of your life, who's writing it? Who's who's driving you? And I really, I think we've got a couple of things we can pull out from Nehemiah chapter 8 that we can find encouraging this morning. And so uh, starting in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 8, this is what we're seeing. It says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Now, this is the first mention of Ezra in here, okay? Now, realize that the book of Ezra talks about the rebuilding of the wall as well. Ezra, so you got Nehemiah, who's the governor of Israel, a governor of Jerusalem, and now you have Ezra. Ezra, he's the priest, and so this is the first mention of him. So, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of law. From daybreak until noon, that's probably about six hours 
of reading the book of the law. And he did it from a platform that they constructed from, and that's actually what they talk about in verse 4. Jumping down to uh, verse 5, it says, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the peop- all the people stood up. Look at the reverence that people had for the book of the law. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshu, Benai, Sherbai, Jamin, Akub, Shebeth, they're, they're all there. Instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. Now, I wanted us to see a couple of things here in that first portion of Scripture. What do we see when Ezra's reading the Word of God? The first thing that we see is that the Word of God should bring us to praise. To bring us to praise. As Ezra is standing, the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. They, they, the Word of God brings us to praise. Now we're talking about story. We're talking about the story. And this 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 portion of the story of Jerusalem, it produced some questions in my mind. And I I'll be honest with you, um, they, they didn't make sense when I was first preparing the message of um, God, why do you why did you drop that in my mind? It's there's those moments in time when we're preparing, you're going, okay, that doesn't make sense. But here was one of the questions that God dropped in my mind. How far is the sun from the moon? What an odd question. How far? The, the technical answer is 94 million miles. That's, that's really, it's about 90, 94, 96 million, somewhere. That doesn't make sense, does it? But as I was reading Nehemiah, I think that's the question that people were feeling. How far is the sun from the moon? Because the sun is God in that analogy. And the moon is us. And so as they're hearing the word of the God, I think the question that was popping up in their minds is how far am I from God? And what was their, what was their response? What, what, was, what was the response? That actually, if you look at the bottom part, the, the second half of verse 9, it says, all the people had been weeping as they listened to the word of the law. They had been weeping not because they found it oppressive. They had been weeping not because they found it unbearable. They had been weeping because they realized just how far from God they were. And these were people that had committed to rebuild the wall. They were working. They had been praising God. And they were weeping because they realized how far from God they are. And so when we say, how far is the moon from the sun, it's forever away. How far are we from God? How holy are we on our own? Not at all. 
and this is the, the reality of this where they're at right now. The recognition of our separation from God can bring sorrow. We can feel overwhelmed. And as we talk about story, we talk about that, sometimes we get stuck in that moment. We get overwhelmed in that moment. When we realize I'm forever away from God. Some people get to a point where they realize they realize it and they take it as a foregone conclusion that no matter what they do, they'll never be close to God. So why even try? Maybe in your story, you've had some challenges. You haven't followed God closely. You've made some bad decisions. And it's easy in the midst of that for us to get overwhelmed. It's easy in the midst of bad decisions for us to get to the point where we start thinking, this is my story. I'm just somebody that makes mistakes. I'm a blunderer. I don't have any hope. That's the, the hard thing about some stories is that uh, they're depressing. And when you fall into that depression, you stop trying. The really, truly good stories are the ones that always have that inkling of hope. When you're watching the action sequence or you're watching that moment when you don't know, are they going to make it or are they going to die? Are they going to fail or are they going to succeed? And all of a sudden, there's just that little bit of hope that even against overwhelming odds, they can make it. And then they do. And what's that do? It draws you in closer, tighter to that story. No one likes to watch Eeyore for 24 hours, do they? How many of you are Winnie, Winnie the Pooh fans? No, we don't want to be. We don't want to be Eeyore. Eeyore is not the hero of the story. Who's the hero of the story? Winnie the Pooh or Christopher Robin, one of the two, whichever one you think. But Winnie the Pooh gets into all sorts of trouble. Oh, bother. Gets his head stuck in a tree. Again. Oh, bother. Does Winnie the Pooh stop? Nope. It always just seems to work out for Winnie the Pooh. And so we could be Winnie the Pooh of it'll work out, or we can be Eeyore. Woe is me, my tail fell off again. That's just how it is. Oh, I, Eeyore, Eeyore. But a lot of us are Eeyores in life, aren't we? Now, I'm not making light of the fact that the people of Israel, when they were hearing the book of the law, were mourning. Because we are far from God. But that's not who he's created us to be. We are far from God. But that's not the end of our story. So the other question that popped into my, my mind as I was preparing this, you know, how far is the moon from the sun? Uh, how does the moon shine at night? How does the moon shine at night? Well, it's quite easy, actually. It reflects the sun. The moon has no light on its own. Without the sun, the moon is totally dark. But the moon at night is bright, isn't it? In the dark, dark sky, what do we see? The brightness of the moon reflecting the sun. 
It's a metaphor for our lives. Seeing the work of God should bring us joy. And that's why Nehemiah said what he did in verse 9. He said that Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep. Were the people any closer to God? No. Could they save themselves? No. But the Lord was rewriting their story. How does the sun, how does the moon reflect at night? It's reflecting the sun. God working in our lives is the reflection of the story that he has for each and every one of us. We don't have to mourn. We don't have to weep. We don't have to be stuck in our dire circumstances. We don't let, have to let that be the end of our story. How many of you have had hard times? How many of you have wondered, is this going to destroy me? We've had, Heather and I, we've, we've walked through some very, not as a couple in that sense, but together we've walked through some very difficult circumstances. And there's been times where we're going, what in the world? What is happening? Is this the end of what we're doing? I'm sure we've all gotten there. But here, as we talk about the story and the question of who is writing your story, if you are writing your story, the negative circumstances of your life can just become repetitive. Because on our own, we can't find our way out, can we? How does the moon shine at night? By reflecting the sun. And so this morning, here's the encouraging uh, word I wanted to, to share. It's out of Psalms. The book of Psalms, chapter 30, verse 11, and actually we'll have verse 12 too. But here's what it says. It says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. What is your story? What chapter are you in? See, the the story of your life is more than one chapter. The story of your life is a series of chapters. You know, if you've ever worked with young readers, little kids, as they uh, progress, they progress from short stories to longer stories to eventually where they get to chapter books. That's a big thing when you're a young reader. You get a chapter book. Well, your life's a chapter book. Maybe your chapter isn't going so well right now. Maybe your chapter doesn't feel like it's going great. But like Nehemiah told the people of Israel, this day is holy to the Lord your God. You know what he was saying? Your hope isn't in yourself. Your redemption isn't in your ability. Your redemption, your story 
is being written by God. He's the author. There's more than one chapter. I was reminded of Paul. Paul has a a wonderful, powerful testimony. But in 1 Timothy, this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. It's verse 15. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, Paul could have stopped right there just saying, I am the worst of sinners. And many of us think that of ourselves, don't we? We think we're not worthy. We think that we're lost. We think that no matter what happens, this is my story. But here's what Paul continued to say. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternally immortal, invisible, the only God, be honored and glory forever and ever. Amen. (coughs) Your story might seem dire. Your chapter might seem bleak. But the reality is, God can take that moment and use it for his glory to show others his brightness. The moon does not shine on its own. It reflects the sun. The brightness of our lives has nothing to do with our circumstances because present circumstances can distract us from future realities. Present circumstances can overwhelm us, but the reality of our life is that we have already won. The enemy has been defeated. Jesus rose from the dead. Our lives have been transformed and changed. It might not feel like it, but the reality is that without the sun, we would never see the moon. We would never see the moon. If the sky didn't get dark at night and the moon didn't reflect the sun, we would never see it. And we might feel lost in darkness. We might feel lost in our circumstances. We might feel lost. But we can reflect the sun. This day is holy to the Lord. The reason it's so important for us to remember that God is writing our story is that in the midst of challenging circumstances, we can rejoice. Rejoice because God is writing your story. Does that mean every bad thing that's happened to us was caused by God? No. But he is the author of, and finisher, or the author and perfecter of our faith. And when our faith is firmly rooted in God, then our circumstances do not change our future. And the encouragement I want to give you this morning is this. Don't let the current trials and tribulations that you are facing Turn you aside and away from the work that God is doing in your life. God has called you for a purpose. He has called you by name. And at the end of the day, you may not feel 
like you are doing well. But I will tell you this, you can still reflect the sun in the midst of challenging circumstances as we move forward by faith. As we move forward by faith. Think of it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they walked into the fiery furnace. We know them because there was a fourth person with them in the furnace. But they said that their Lord shall deliver them. But even if he doesn't, God is faithful. Do we believe that? That even if my circumstances don't change, God will deliver us. Even if I die at this moment and nothing has changed, I have not seen victory. I've, listen, what do we, what do we see in, in, in Hebrews? All these people of faith, they're remembered for their great faith. And what it say? It said they had not seen that which was promised to them. Job, his friend said, why don't you just curse God and die? He had lost his family. He had lost his livelihood. He had lost all his possessions. What did he do? He shone brightly in the evening sky like a full moon reflecting the sun. Even though I might die in this moment, I will not turn away from God. 